So we are talking about the love languages in this season of Epiphany. Now we got a fat bulletin this morning, but somewhere in there buried in the depths is the sermon notes. And inside the sermon notes are various resources that can take you deeper into how you can apply the love languages in your life at the age and stage that you're at. And I've had some people come to me this past week saying, I don't know what my primary love language is. And I've even had one person claim they don't have one. And I can relate. You know, it was really hard for me to figure out what my primary language of love was. I mean, who doesn't like getting a compliment or having someone do something nice for them or getting a thoughtful gift or spending time with the people they love? And I'm really just like Olaf in that I love warm hugs. So how do you tell? I'd taken the quizzes online several different times, and depending on my mood for the day, the answer was different. So apparently, I was pentalingual. Uh, but once I actually read the book, I figured it out. You see, our epiphany for today comes in that God is not the only one that speaks love languages. All of creation does. Our enemy does as well. Except our enemy takes the languages of love and perverts them. You see, the languages of love are meant to be a gift to creation, but any gift has the capacity to be misused. If you look at everything that goes wrong in the world, you can see how the gifts of love have been taken awry. Physical touch is perverted into abuse. Acts of service becomes acts of disservice and revenge. Gifts become the wrong gifts or an overabundance of meaningless stuff. Now, some of you got rid of your stuff yesterday at the rummage sale, and some of you found more. <laughs> and quality time becomes time spent zoning out or neglect. And words of affirmation become words that criticize, words that cut down, or simply stopping saying words altogether. And it was this inverse of the love languages that helped me to realize what my primary love language is. You see, I think the greatest lie I have ever told in my life was when I was a small girl on the playground saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I would bravely say it to kids who would make fun of me for being slower than they were. I said it to my sister who bullied me. But the truth was that their demeaning remarks cut me deeply. Words have incredible power to cut us down and stop us in our tracks. And sometimes that's even a good thing. The way we're attuned to words can be a lifesaver, as any parent who's ever yelled stop to a child who is heading into danger, we are grateful for the startle response that stops us in our tracks. And we put up for the crying and the tears from our children because we're far more concerned with keeping them safe than keeping them happy in that moment. And it's that instinctive response to harsh words that comes in handy time and time again as God reaches out to the world. Today in Jonah, we heard how the Ninevites are cut down in their tracks. When God, through Jonah, cries out, stop! If you keep this up, 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh heard the message. They stopped. They proclaimed a fast. They believed in God and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. 
And God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. And God changed his mind about the calamity that was about to befall them, and he didn't do it because he loved them. Words can indeed be cutting, especially the words that we hear from God. They can cut us down to size. But words are not meant for harshness alone. And even when they are harsh, they should still be spoken in love. We prayed in our psalm this morning, God has spoken once, twice have I heard it. That power belongs to God. Steadfast love is yours, O Lord. God's love for us and for his creation is indeed steadfast. He loves us continually through words. He spoke life into existence, but God privileged us, mankind, with the responsibility to name life. And we are made in the creative image, and we too have power in our words. Words can create or destroy. In the book of Proverbs, there's a saying, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. How you use the power of your words builds up fruit in the kingdom that can destroy or create. For me and others like me, words of affirmation can build us up to overflowing, but a cutting word, yelling, or a criticism of character can drain our love tank faster than a broken water main. And we have, as Christians have the responsibility and power to speak life. We can speak life and love to our friends and our family and especially our spouses. We can offer them the chance to reminisce, to daydream about a trip to take in the future or a trip in the past. We can speak life when we compliment them. And I'm not just talking about an, oh, hey, baby, you're looking great in those jeans today. Because remember, the love languages are not just about the love that we share with our spouse. A compliment can be as simple and empowering and life-giving as praising a child. Hey, I noticed you didn't get your math done on Friday because you were talking in class. Thank you that you almost always do get your work done, and I'm proud of you that you're a hard worker. Now, for those of you who just heard that I praised my child for doing something wrong, I hope you'll realize that one of the greatest gifts of words of affirmation is their power to shape character. God over and over in the Bible tells his people to be strong and be courageous, to be people of faith and hope. God repeats these words over and over again because he knows that the people he created will live up and into these life-affirming words. It's not manipulative or wrong to praise the change you want to see happen. It can cast a vision for children, spouses, and even ourselves to grow more faithfully into the people that God created us to be. And as a pastor, one of the things I hope will be said to me when I die is, well done, good and faithful servant. But it's unfortunate to me that so many times we save our life-giving words for times of death. We pray at funerals, O God of grace and glory. We remember before you this day our brother. We thank you for giving him to us, his family and friends, to know and to love as a companion on our earthly pilgrimage. 
You see, if in funerals, even if nowhere else, we speak the words of affirmation clearly, we offer the family and the body of Christ the chance to reminisce, we compliment what we sincerely admired about the person, and we shape their character. Now, for those of you thinking, how do we shape the character of someone who has already died? Well, we, memory, we remember the good. We treasure up all that has happened that we loved. And we hide the bad and the goodness and faithfulness of Christ and the promise and hope that we have in the resurrection. We shape their character into a loved Christian child of God. And because I love all of you, I am begging you, don't wait until your loved ones are gone to tell them, I thank God for you. Don't wait to remember, to reminisce, and don't wait to thank them for being your companion. You see, even though I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant spoken at my funeral, I don't want to wait to hear it there. Because it's actually not a verse meant to be spoken in death. It's a word from God that speaks life because it praises us in the little things and calls us into deeper and larger acts of service. It's a verse that says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the handling of a small amount. Now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Words have power. They have the power to create and to destroy. They can speak life or death, but words at their best will affirm us. Jesus today, with just a few words, affirms Simon and Andrew. He takes what they're already good at, fishing, and he tells them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus spoke life into those fishermen long ago by affirming them in their strengths and calling them into a joyful celebration of deeper service. But he extends that call to all of us. God, through word and sacrament, is yelling out, I love you. Can you hear him? Follow him and be speakers of life. Maybe we can't change the world that has misused words of affirmation. Maybe we can't stop cyberbullying, slander, and words of cruel hatred. But Christ can. And with and in Christ, we can be a part of the change. We can change the world with Jesus, one child, one person, one family, one community at a time, as we learn to better affirm one another in words of love and be loved by God through the word made flesh. Let's teach our children to speak life, and let's speak life and love to our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, and most especially, for those of you whose spouse's primary love language is words of affirmation, speak life and love. Praise them. Praise them for the little things like making dinner when they really did not feel like it. Praise them for the big things like making a hard choice at work or in a friendship. Praise them for dealing with an illness with strength and grace. And yes, even praise them for looking good in their jeans. Because your words of love will breathe new life into the love you share in Christ.